Welcome to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM. You. How are you guys feeling today? Yeah, good. I'm feeling good. I'm glad to be here. I love uh, this part of my week. Me too. I was actually telling someone just today, this is one of my favorite parts of my job. I, I'm stoked I get to do this. This yeah. is so, so good. Awesome. So good. What are some of the things that you like about being on the radio, Beck? Some of the things that I like being on the radio. I like the fact that it makes me think on my feet. Actually, I think it's helping me maybe think quicker. Or but you maybe... seem to be sitting down just like me. I, what are you talking about here? <laughs> you thinking totally on your know feet. what I mean. It's almost like thinking on your backside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you cover that one. <laughs> but yeah, you do. You kind of have to just deal with what's thrown at you and get, just kind of respond to it, don't yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's teaching me some skills in, in other areas. You know, the, um, another great thing about that is... That's actually what it's really like in real life most of the time. Like you, you do have to think on your feet a yeah, lot. Absolutely. People throw things at you, you plan your day, yeah. but then something comes at you. And I reckon that no matter where you are right now, whoever you are that's listening, you can deal with that too. Like if you're on the road, somebody deals with something, you gotta just go. Yeah. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Quick decisions. Yeah. How about you? What do you love about it, Robbie? Oh, I love lots of things about the radio. One, I love that. Be, they, they keep telling me, you got to talk with more energy. And so that's made me feel like I'm allowed to be excited, <laughs> yeah, which is yeah. pretty cool. That's I like good. to be able to be excited. Um, and I, I also just really enjoy that we get to break down the Bible in this context. It's really it's really quite neat to know yeah. that, that there's people listening from out, outside of my normal circle. That's pretty cool. So those are a couple of things that I like. Now, here's a question for you. You mentioned last week when I talked about he's getting up a bit earlier. You, by the way, everyone, he's pointing the finger. So just imagine a finger point happening right now. So you said last week that you oh, were inspired no. by my getting up early, oh, which I've been doing 80% me. pretty good. Now, here's the question. Yes. In 30 seconds or less, how have you gone with your goal of getting up at 5 o'clock? Look, I think we only need one word. Alas. Alas. <laughs> Alas is the word that I want to share. Let's go for next week, girls. I got up one time at six something. I was very proud of myself. I'm on holidays, everyone. But I've just, no, alas, that is the word. That is the word. So next week, watch this space. Watch this space. Watch this okay. Space. You have I will be asking. I will be putting it in my notes oh, for next week. I regret this decision. <laughs> you said that last week, by the way. So I knew I would. That's by okay. By next week, if it's not the case, it'll be push-ups in the break. <laughs> All right, so we've got an exciting show lined up for you guys today. We have just come to the close of our Encountering Jesus series, and we left you with a cliffhanger last week. What are we getting into now? And we're starting a six-part series on the first six chapters of the book of Daniel. Now, Daniel means God is my judge. So that's the name of the series, God is my judge. And we're going to be hearing from Donna another guy who works in ministry with young people and a bit of his story today, and it's going to be a great time. This is Whitley Phipps. Hallelujah. Man from Galilee came 
to show us love. He came to set his people free. Hallelujah. Praise his holy name. Hallelujah. He is the king of kings. Hallelujah. Praise his holy name. All praises to the king. He gave his life for us and then went away. But he's coming back real soon. Don't know when he's coming. Could be any day. Could be morning, night, or noon. Hallelujah. Praise his holy name. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. We're so excited that you're listening. Uh, just wanted to put out a reminder there. If you've got any burning Bible questions or spiritual questions that you'd like to explore for us to have a look at today, you can call in with your questions at any time in the show at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can text in to the text line at 0491-064-669. And you can also contact us via a message in our Facebook page at Faith FM Radio. Yes. All right. So it's come that portion of the, the show, that segment for what a weird and wonderful world. And I believe we're doing a bit of a, a health edition for the next six weeks. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We're sort of transitioning a little bit. We started last week uh, talking about feet and walking and how it can benefit us. And so something that we're looking at today is another area of health. What can benefit us? Ooh, tell us more. So I forgot something today. Robbie, do you know something that I forgot? Do I know something that yeah, you forgot? Yeah, can you guess what I forgot? Um, your shoes? No. No, that would have been good because none of us like shoes. Let's yeah, be that's honest. true. I took them off. I'm actually sitting there. <laughs> I have no idea what you forgot today. <laughs> I forgot my water bottle, oh. which is so ironic because my topic today was water. So here I have with like a little plastic cup sitting here, which I filled up with water because it's so important. So our health tip for today is focusing on water. So I've got some fun facts for you. The human body comprises is comprised of about 60% water. And so that really affects us when we have a lack of water in our bodies. So I want to give you guys some facts. If you're listening, what are some things that water can help with? So it's commonly recommended that we drink about eight glasses of water a day. So that's about 
Two liters? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's about two liters. It's a bit more. It's actually based on weight. So the the bigger you are, maybe if you're a footballer or something, you you, you push a lot of weights. The bigger you are, you need to have a bit more water to get the blood and everything around your body. The smaller you are, you know, um, the the less water that you can have. But around about eight glasses for every person. So even mild dehydration significantly affects our brain function. Really? Just yeah, mild dehydration? Just mild dehydration. So they say 1% to 3% of dehydration can affect your brain function. Wow. So what that means is if you have two, between uh, 500 mils to one liter less than you should, that's affecting your brain. So 500 mils, that's two glasses of water. So if you're dehydrated two glasses of water, it affects your ability to think and focus, your memory. They did some tests and studies where they found it affects your memory and your brain function. So if That's amazing because yeah. like, if you... It, it, correct me if I'm wrong here, but by the time you're thirsty, you're actually already dehydrated. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's signifying that you're already dehydrated. Um, and so it's already affecting you. So basically, we should wow. try and maintain hydration throughout the day. Always have some water on hand. So we should basically be sipping water throughout the day. Yeah, we should yeah. be. Yeah, for, for sure. This and is good food for thought. I'm feeling is. very thirsty it just is. as we speak. <laughs> and when you drink, something that is good is not just usually a sip, like at least 50 mils or more, because our brain is quite greedy. So what it does is the brain takes a lot of water straight away. So the rest of your body also wants water. So drink at least 50 mils or more, because then the rest of your body is getting some of that water as well. Wow, fascinating. Yeah. So something, some things I just wanted to give you some I'd benefits. like to think, just by the way, I'd like yeah. to think that the brain maybe not is greedy, but perhaps the body is actually generous oh, and giving it to nice. the like part that. that it needs. I like that. Like, I've never uh, thought about that before. I it's all perspective, my all friend. Perspective. It's all perspective. Absolutely. Like, who is the glass half empty here, guys? Clearly it was me. So the body is generous, right? <laughs> I like it. So drinking enough water can prevent and treat headaches. They did a study where they found that people who were suffering from headaches, when they drank water, it increased by about 50%, it decreased their headaches, which was excellent. Something else that they found is that it helps boost your energy. And there's been a study which shows that it could actually increase your metabolism. So people who are looking on wanting to increase their energy levels, boost their metabolism, it seemed to increase for about 30% after you drink water for about an hour. It, inc it wow. increases your metabolism, which is amazing. And your metabolic rate is actually something that's necessary to, to, man to manage weight, to yes. manage weight loss, to yeah. manage exercise absolutely so that's the next so thing water's that I good wanted to okay focus tell us more on. yeah was that it can aid in weight loss and so that's something i know a lot of us struggle with and, and want to work on and so drinking plenty of water they've done studies where they found that drinking water affects weight and weight loss and it's for a few reasons one of which is that it increases your satiety so it increases your feeling of being full and something they found is they they did a study on a group of women and they found that independent of diet and exercise, drinking water three times a day, half an hour before food, um, significantly reduced their body fat. And so I think they lost something like up to 40, 45% more weight than people who didn't drink wow. water, which is amazing. So drinking at least 30 minutes before your meal yeah. is going to significantly help us with weight management. Yeah, Absolutely. And last thing for people who are into sport and a lot of exercise, it protects your tissues and your spinal cords and joints when you're exercising. It provides lubrication and looks after us. So I wanted to say it's such a simple thing, but water is such a benefit to us. So I want to encourage everyone wherever you are right now to pick up a glass of water and have a drink.
Do it. That's the way. Water. And we're actually going to be finding that that was one of the keys that Daniel and his friends did in the story today. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing, Beck. This is Tammy Larson. Tell it again.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. I wanted to encourage you guys, we, we love to have questions. We love to have questions from listeners who are listening and have Bible thoughts that they've been thinking about and maybe just want to have something answered. So if you do, if you can call us on 1-800-324-843, that's 1-800-FAITH-FM, or you can text us on 0491-064-669. Or you can hit up our Facebook page on Faith FM Australia. So now we're going into our testify time, testimony time. Um, we have our guest Dana here. So welcome, Dana. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, and so we're going to find out a little about you and your story today. I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, um, uh, Robbie come and saw me and said, yeah, have you got something you can share about how Jesus, a time Jesus led in your life. And I was thinking about our current economic situation now. There's people out of work. There's people doing it hard. Yeah. People drawing on their superannuation and so on to keep going. And I thought I might share, it's a little bit back in my time, but a time when I went through a similar situation. It was actually back in the late 80s, early 90s when we actually had a proper recession in Australia here. Um, I was a builder at the time, and my goal was to own a string of houses and sit comfortable. You know, I was just going to live off the houses. Um, it was a time also in my life when I was connecting with Jesus. Um, I, I, I was learning to love Jesus as my personal saviour. Um, I was learning to um, share Jesus with others. And I was giving Bible studies at night time and so on. I was also well off. Um, I had bought 64 acres cash. I wow. bought my ute cash. That's amazing. I'd, I'd bought a, I had a house. So I had very little money in the house. And I was building spec homes, that is, um, rather than contract where you build for somebody else, I was building for myself and then just selling them off. Um, And I had two of those when this trouble hit. I had two of those spec homes and I got caught with two of them. And the interesting thing is, we think interest rates get high. At this time, the average person was paying 18% interest. I was paying 21% interest on a, on a, um, a bridging loan type thing for my building. And so... It was a when you got caught with something, we really got caught. Mm. And um, I, I sold my house and moved into one of my spec homes. I sold my, I, didn't, I, had, I had my statesman, I sold my statesman, I sold my boat, I sold my brand new Hilux, um, just surviving. Yeah, wow. And, um, and my wife took a job, actually took two, took two jobs. She was cooking at home, cooking veggie meals at home and selling them, um, which veggie meals were hard to get in those days. And she was also working somewhere else on a farm. And then we got robbed. And wow. believe it or not, they emptied the freezer of all the food. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> we thought that's strange, but apparently it's non-traceable and they get to eat it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and in all this, I'm saying, God, what are you doing? Here's me trying to get close to you. Here's me. I'm, I'm learning to love you. I, mm. I, I want to do what's right. I want yeah. to serve you. And God started to impress me with what my direction was. What he showed me was that, I was totally trusting in myself. Um, I was I was going to trust in my houses. I was going to trust in what I could do, um, rather than trusting in Jesus for directing in my life. I would ha- I had planned my life out, and God, you fit in with me. Yeah. Rather than God, what's your plan for my life? And that's something I think we all do. Oh. Like I feel like we're all guilty of we we have a plan where we think that we want our life to go, yeah. and then it doesn't go according to plan. And as soon as it doesn't, we feel like. God has got a hand in that, and He's stitching yeah. us up. <laughs> and, and I think it's okay to have a plan, but yeah. but our plan's got to be in harmony with God's plan, for sure. Mm. And mine centered around me and money and prosperity. That's where I was at. And um, it got to a point 
where, I mean, I was a company. We couldn't just go out and get the dole. Um, Vinnie's was my only option. We actually got to a point where we didn't actually have food in the house for the weekend, enough food in the house for the weekend. Yeah, wow. Um, it was Friday morning. We knelt down. We always had family worship together. Yeah. And we knelt down and we actually read this text here. It's in Psalms 37:25. This is a modern version of it. Once I was young, now I'm old. I wasn't then. I was young then. <laughs> but I have, but yet I've never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging bread. Yeah. Mm. And, I, and we just claimed this one. We said, Lord, you've promised that you'll look after us. You're not, you're not promising me to be rich. You're not promising me anything else that you'll look after us. And, and we don't have food. And it's interesting. I went to work. Di, um, we're Saturday keepers, Sabbath keepers, and um, Di was preparing on Friday for the Sabbath coming. Okay, yeah. And she actually went into my into the clothes that I would be wearing the next day, and um, grabbed, um, went to get the make sure the clothes are right, and twenty dollars fell out of the pocket. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that twenty dollars got us over the weekend. Amen. Awesome. <laughs> and then on. Uh, Monday, I got a check come in. I got a quick clearance, and from that point on, we actually have never had a problem again, money-wise. But I've got to say, guys, I'm still learning. Yeah, I'm still learning to trust God. Yeah, mm. I'm still learning that I don't trust God in other areas. But that point changed my life. Um, it changed me to where I realised that God, it's not my life; it's your life. Mm. Um, what do you want me to do? And I end up changing course. I'm not a builder anymore. I'm a minister, and um, yeah, your but, whole life changed. Yeah, but God's still teaching. God's still. I still got lots to learn, but praise God, He's there, and I want to thank the Lord. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing, Don. It's amazing to hear how God's faithfulness often sparks a response of our faithfulness. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. No worries. Don't worry about everything around you, everything around you. And don't freak out if you don't feel me beside you. Just look up, I'm reminding you to sing a new song and let the rain clouds cry their tears of joy and dance all around you. Though a thousand may fall and dead may surround you. Tears of joy and 
Welcome back to Real Faith. You're listening to Faith FM. And just a reminder, you can call in with any questions that you have at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can text in at 0491-064-669. Or you can send a message in to our Facebook page, Faith FM Australia. So we have now come to my favorite portion of the show. Yes. 
the portion of the show where we get into the Bible. Amen. And so I'm super excited about what we're looking at today. And uh, the truth is, the truth is, you never, you don't actually have to reveal these things. But the truth is, I didn't know what we were studying this week and the next six <laughs> weeks until today. That's why it was a mystery. Last it really week. was, it was a, mystery a mystery to me to all as of us. well. And everybody laughed in the studio because they knew, but you didn't. So. This is what we're looking at, and I'm super excited about yeah. it. Super excited about it. It hit me this morning. I was praying about it, and boom, it came, and it was, it was awesome. So I'm super excited to be looking at this. So we're going to look at the stories of the book of Daniel. So that's Daniel chapter 1 through Daniel chapter 6. Now, there is, there is one prophecy, at least, that's in there. Yes. Uh, there, I suppose you could arguably talk about another prophecy that takes place in chapter 4 with Nebuchadnezzar, which we'll discover in a few weeks' time. However, the, the, the way that the, the book of Daniel is structured is that the narratives or the stories of the book of Daniel take place in the first six chapters, followed predominantly by what's the, the, the vast majority of the prophecies that are in the book that go from Daniel 7 through Daniel 12. So it's yes. six chapters of narrative, six chapters of prophecy, and there's a couple of prophecies thrown into the narrative as well. So today we are starting with Daniel chapter one. Yes. Now, before we get into Daniel chapter one, I think it's important that we gather a bit of context. Okay. So Daniel chapter one, we're going to read a little bit in, in into the chapter. We're going to read the first two verses, and then we're going to talk a bit about the context. Now, Sounds good. So you know, when, when whenever you're reading any book, you need to ask some serious questions about context if you really want to understand what did the author mean yes. then so that we can understand what does that mean for us today? Yeah, how is it applicable to the people in the time? That's exactly right. And yeah. so the point of our show here on the radio is the, the reason we're called Real Faith is because there's no point in just doing intellectual gymnastics, as I like to call it, where we just do theological things, religious things, spiritual things that are just up in our mind. We know lots of things, but it doesn't meet real life. Yeah. What, like, what is the point of knowing something if we don't apply it to our life? Like, it's awesome to know about things, but is it just trivia? Is that what we're doing? Like, trivia things. 100%. That's exactly what we don't want to be doing. We yeah. don't want to just do trivia. Bible trivia is great. It's nice to know things. But ultimately... <laughs> Knowing those things doesn't save you. Yeah. Being in a relationship with Jesus Christ saves you. Definitely. And so what does it mean to walk with Jesus? And that's what we want to explore as we do all of these Bible studies is ask these practical application questions. How does this impact our real life? And the amazing thing about the book of Daniel is that even despite the fact that this was written two and a half thousand years ago. Yeah. It is so pressingly relevant to our lives right now. Yeah, amen. Some amazing principles, and we're going to start with those today. So let's read Daniel chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2. So the Bible reads, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Okay, so a few things to note here. There was a lot there that if you, if you just skim over it, you might miss. So the first thing to note is, that, is what year of Jehoiakim's reign did he come into this? In the third year. In the third year. Now, scholars know that the siege, of, uh, the siege that Babylon took over Jerusalem, it actually took place, there were three sieges, right? So the first one takes place in approximately 605 BC. So we know that time period. So Daniel at this time, most scholars suggest he's around about the age of 16. Okay, yeah. Right? There's debate about exactly how, but most scholars agree around about yeah. that time. 
So Daniel is a young Jewish man, right? 16, he would have been considered a man by their standards, a young man. He's in Jerusalem at this time. Now, there's some interesting things to note. Now, Jehoiakim was the king of Israel at the time. Babylon came in under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar, yes. and we might call him Old Neb from yeah, now to ta- from time good. to time, like so that. it's a hard name to say, but Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> yeah. And Nebuchadnezzar came, and he took over the 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 Jerusalem, sorry, Jerusalem and the Jewish people and their their reign. They had previously been paying tribute or taxes to another country ruled by Pharaoh, the country of Egypt, who had had taken occupation of them essentially. Yeah. So they paid tribute to them, and now we have them paying tribute to Babylon. Now, in this first siege, Nebuchadnezzar also took some people captive, and we're going to find out who those people were momentarily. But it's very interesting to note something. I've got a passage here that gives a little bit of context. Now, so let me ask you a question. Let's say, so Daniel is 16 when he comes into Babylon, approximately. So that means if that's the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign, who was in control of the country of of Israel, of Judah, particularly at that time, for the 13 years before that? Ooh, I don't know. Pop quiz. Ah, <laughs> panic mode. No, so in 2 Kings chapter 22, yeah. it tells us that the king prior to Jehoiakim, there was one king in between, but he, re- he reigned for three months, so we're going to skip him. But the king that reigned for the predominant time of Daniel's life was actually King Josiah. Now, King Josiah, if you're not familiar with him, he came into rulership in Judah at the time when he was eight years old. Yeah, I remember this story. Now, this is super interesting. It says he reigned for 31 years in Jerusalem, right? And it says this interesting fact about this king. It says in Second Kings 22, verse 2, it says, And he, Josiah, did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father, David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. And it says in the next chapter, in verse 25, it says, Now before him, Josiah, there was no king like him, none, right? Who turns to the Lord with all his heart, who, oh, sorry, with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, nor after him did any arise like him. Yeah. So here's a question. When you go through the book of the Kings, mm-hmm. Kings, first Kings, second Kings, all the kings of Israel, it says they did evil, every single one. And then it goes through the kings of Judah, and from memory, it's something about around about eight kings, I think, that it says did good out of all of the kings, yeah, right? Yeah, it wasn't many. Not many. And each one of those, it says that they did good, except they didn't get rid of these this idolatrous worship that was taking place in the mountaintops. Yeah, yeah. Now, Josiah is somebody who does differently, and it says here that he was better than all the kings that came before him, than all the kings that came after him in the, in the ruling of Judah. And this is fascinating because this signifies something I think is crucially important before we get into the story. Daniel was raised for the first approximately 13 years of his life under the leadership of a godly person. Yeah. This is huge because the Bible tells us that if we instruct a child in the way that he should go, when he is older, he will not depart from it, right? The importance of godly leadership is so crucial, especially to a young person. And I think it would be fair to say that without the leadership of someone like Josiah, who had been the king, who had led the whole nation in positive things, right? The whole nation starts to go wandering away from God when the next king comes in and starts doing evil. Leaders have an impact on all those who follow them. Yeah. Daniel was set up for success 
for set up for faithfulness to God by the example of the king who had reigned for the first 13 years of his life. This is a significant thing for us to consider for our own selves mm. and our own positions of leadership. Yeah, 100%. And I think even looking at children or young adults where where they are, where they're spending their time, it reminds me um, of my childhood. My dad is someone who always looked after me greatly. Mm. And when I said I was going to visit a friend, he'd say, okay, where are you going? What time are you going to be back? All these kinds of things. I didn't have a phone for until um, I was 16. And so it was just going to a friend's and I would be there when I said I was there. And my dad, in his his uh, guidance and leadership of me, protected me and looked after me by knowing where I was and what I was doing, but then also showing me the right way and the mm. things to do so that when I came up against things that I didn't agree with, I followed what I knew because of where he had led me. Um, and that was such a blessing for me. So I think that that's really important for us today, to, uh, thinking about for parents and people who want want their kids to go in the right way, what are the leaders or what are the influences in their life? Totally, totally. Now, coming back to the text, something else that takes place here in chapter uh, Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. So it's 605 BC. It's the first siege of Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar comes in with his army. They take over Judah. And it says also that the Lord gave the king of Judah into his hands. But then it says something very interesting. It says that they took the articles, some of the articles, out of the temple in Jerusalem, and they took them back captive mm, to the land yeah. of Shinar, which is the region of Babylon, which is interesting because that comes all the way back. Even Abraham comes out of Ur of the Chaldees, which is the same region of Babylon. Yeah. So this, this Babylon is painted throughout Scripture as, as one of the many symbols of confusion, of, of the opposition to God's people, right? Yeah. The opposite of the truth. And so it's very fascinating that this is taking place. And one thing to note is that in their culture, in their context, if I defeat your country, then that means my gods have defeated your gods and therefore my gods are the stronger gods. So think about this all from the context of these young Jews being taken captive and taken into the land of Babylon. The message that's being communicated is, our gods defeated your puny monotheistic God that you've served your whole life, that you've offered sacrifices to, whose laws you have obeyed. Your God is defeated. Yeah. That's the message that's being painted here. And it says that they took those articles back and put them in the house of their own deities as if these are trophies to say, our God beat your God. Yeah. Your God is nothing. You need to come and become a part of Babylon. Yeah, heavy. All right, so let's keep reading because it gets even more fascinating from here. All right, so we're in Daniel chapter 1, and let's read verse 3 through verse 7. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand. He had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to, Hana, uh, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. Awesome. Good job with those names. <laughs> Thank you. It's the part that everybody freaks out about. But you got to remember, nobody knows how to pronounce biblical Hebrew anyway. So like, come on, don't stress. <laughs> if you just say it with confidence, everyone knows 
that they believe you. <laughs> no, you did a great job. Okay, so what's going on here? Yeah, so what's happening here is that we find out there's actually a particular group of young men that have been taken by King Nebuchadnezzar, taken hostage, basically taken captive from their families. Um, and so in this group, we find the names of, of Daniel and his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and they've been taken captive, but they weren't taken in a sense that they were just only to serve. They were taken to be taught as well. So they were to, supposed mm. to learn about the king and his kingdom. And I think uh, this is something that I heard someone explaining one time, which is a really wise decision on behalf of King Nebuchadnezzar, which is where he wanted to integrate people in into his, into his system and in, into his kingdom. So by doing this, by taking uh, Israelite boys into his system, giving them names of those people, giving them the same food, teaching them the same language, he's trying to integrate these cultures. And so that was a, a decision on his part as a, as a king who didn't know God, and he was trying to make a wise decision. And in that in that case, he's really trying to get the boys alongside him, basically. And so it's something that we learn about that that, that they're, that's where these boys are at when they come into it. They're young, they're youthful, like what you were sharing, Robbie, they're maybe 16, between 13 to 18, that's somewhere mm. in that range. So they're young um, and they're in, at an impressionable time as well. Totally. Now, here's a question, right? If you If you wanted to take over a nation... And you wanted to indoctrinate them. You want to change them from believing what their culture has said. Change them from believing in what their God has told them. Change them into believing your culture, your custom, all of those things. What's the first thing that you're going to do? Take away their culture? You take away their identity. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is not, this is not just something that we, that we see with people, right? If you can take away and erase someone's history, you can erase the facts of those things that have taken place. Those things inform the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we behave. Yeah. This is actually just a fascinating thing because we even see this again where Jesus is baptized. It says that God speaks and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And what's the first thing that the devil comes to Jesus with as an accusation in the temptation of Jesus? He says that. Yeah. He says, if you are the son of God, Satan's question is about identity to Jesus. And they're following the same pattern here. If we can crush their identity by re-educating them in our own ways, our own culture, our own language, our own customs, we can erase their faithfulness to their God. Yeah. This is Tim Newfold, Cornerstone.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM. And if you guys have some questions, we would love, yes. absolutely love to hear from you. And uh, how can they do that, Beck? Yeah. Our listeners can call in on 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can text us on 0491-064-669. Or you can hit up um, our Facebook page, Faith FM Australia. Awesome. So we're looking forward to hearing that text line buzzing around. So... We're in Daniel chapter 1 for those who have, who've just catching in. So Daniel chapter 1, we just read 3 through 7. Now, so we were just talking about before, if you want to, if you want to abolish someone's whole system, whole framework, yeah. you want to erase their past and lead them to believe what you want them to believe, you have to first successfully erase their history, right? This, this question of identity is a question that everybody has to deal with. Yeah. It's the question that, I mean, even Jesus, as we just said before the break, Jesus is tempted by, by Satan. He says, if you are the son of God, then turn these bread, sorry, these stones into bread. His first two temptations that he faces are all about identity. Yeah. Do you believe what God said about you? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so this is the exact same thing that's going on with this group of people. Here you've got something very fascinating. It says some of the children of Israel, some of the king's descendants, mm-hmm. some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish. They were good looking. They were gifted in all these things, right? This is the cream of the crop, right? Yeah. This is the creme de la creme of Israel, right? <laughs> They've taken the people who are intelligent, who are from the royal line, who have education, and they're bringing them here. Now think about this for a moment. It says that they're put under the charge of Ashpenaz, who's the chief of the eunuchs. Yeah. Now a eunuch is somebody who has had their, their, their genitalia crushed or destroyed in some way, right? Often this was a position that was given to the people who would look after the king's harem, etc. The likelihood is that Daniel and his three friends were very possibly made eunuchs. Yeah. Now think about this in the time of, of, of Israel where, where parenting children was kind of like the supreme purpose of life, right? Like people who didn't have children, we see over and again in Scripture, they're lamenting, they're mourning, they're weeping. When people are barren, they, they're, they're discouraged, they're distraught. You yeah. know, the, the blessings are, may you have many sons, right? Yeah, because it was all about genealogy and history and lineage with them. That's right. Really important. Totally. And so here we have some people who are very likely robbed of something that is so significant to the person's life, right? Yeah. So they're defaming or defacing their sexuality and their ability to have children. Not only this, but if you think about this in the context of the priestly people, if you were a eunuch, you were barred from working in the temple, right? Yeah. So these are people who've been literally emasculated and you're in this position. So they've taken that away from them, destroying identity. Mm -hmm. The next thing that they do, we're going to teach them our language. We're going to educate them in our wisdom literature. We're going to educate them in our uh, deities, our, our religion. And then not only that, we're going to change their very names. Yeah. Now, check this out. Do you know what the names of these guys mean? I know. Yeah, I know you relatively do? what they mean. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I looked it up. It's in front of me. Don't, yeah. I, I'm not just like, I'm not a genius or anything. I just read them. <laughs> so check this out. So Daniel, Daniel means God is my judge. Mishael means 
probably who belongs to God. Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious, Yahweh being the, the personal name for the God of Israel. Azariah means Yahweh helps. So these young men, their names, their very names spoke of the God of Israel, yeah. spoke the truth about them. Who am I? I'm the one who knows that God, the God of Israel, is my judge. Yeah. He's my protector. He's my defender. That's what my name means. And names are super significant in the Bible. The topic of judgment comes up significantly in this book, for example. They changed their names, though. Daniel's name is changed to Belteshazzar, Bel being short for the, the Babylonian name yeah. for their god Marduk, right? So his name means may Marduk, this pagan deity, be protecting the life of the king. That's what Daniel's name is changed to, a pagan name, a pagan god. Shadrach's name is a corruption of that name. Yeah. So he's named after the pagan god who, who they were saying took over your people. Abednego means servant of Nabu, yeah. right? So you've got this Aramaic papyrus found in about this other god name. Meshach, they're not entirely sure what that means, but you get the idea, right? So let's change their names from something that honors their God and reminds them of the truth of their God and says, our God is stronger than yours. Yeah. Let's crush their culture. Let's crush their religion. Let's crush these things so that they can forget all about who they were and become like one of us. Yeah. Super powerful because this is what they're trying to do. Crush their culture. What are you going to do? Now imagine, like, I wonder how many days journey it was from on foot as a slave in captivity, taken from Judah after being under siege of war, having nothing to eat, and then being taken in that, you know, taken captive by the enemy people who are taking you into a land where you probably didn't eat much on the road. You've been walking for days under threat of violence. And then you finally arrive to the palace, right? Yeah. yeah. You're here in Babylon. And then they put in front of you this big plate of food. And this food, it says that they were offered the food, right? This was the king's banquet table. Now, the thing to note here is that they offered their food to their pagan gods. Yeah. Right? So Daniel and his friends, and by the way, remember, it's not just four Jews that are here. It's stacks of them. But these four Jews are specifically mentioned in this story, and we'll find out why. Now, check this out. Check this out. This is so fascinating. They're given this offer of amazing foods. Now, let me ask you back. If you have been walking for days and days and days through the desert, you probably, your sandals are worn out. You got the beating sun on your back. You've not been fed well. You arrive and you're being offered an amazing banquet of food, but all of that food has been offered to these pagan gods, and by eating it, you're acknowledging their supremacy. And then they bring out to you this big old bottle of booze, because it says they present the king's wine to them as well. What are you going to do? Yeah, well, it's really challenging. I'm not in that situation, but I'm hoping <laughs> that I would stay true to my beliefs and, and the things that I know to be true. Right. And I would be an example. Um, I'm hoping that that's something that I would be doing. I think that that's what we all want to do is be staying true to our beliefs no matter what. And in this situation, that's something that I believe is uh, putting God first is the most important thing. So what he asks us to do is what we should do. Totally, right? Now you've got the right answer, but I'm gonna be honest with myself and think, I don't know how good I would be at doing that. Imagine this. Everything that you once hold dear, the promises of God, that he will take care of you, that he will provide for you, albeit he had said you will go into captivity for yeah. disobedience. It would be so easy, I think, in that space to go, you know what? I'm going to save my skin. I'm going to eat this food. And you might even convince yourself that I can do this, but I won't. 
they'll, they'll think I'm acknowledging what they believe, but in my head, I'll, I'll remain true. Yeah. But that's not good enough for Daniel. Daniel does something different. So let's keep reading. So we're going to read Daniel chapter 1, verse 8 through verse 14. Actually, no, just through verse 10. Mm-hmm. Verse 10. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So why does Daniel go to speak to the chief of the eunuchs? Well, he wants to be able to get different food. That's not the food that he wants. So he says, I want you to be able to change the food that we have. He I says, love it. Give us something else. And so, yeah, the chief of the eunuchs, um, even though he probably possibly cares for Daniel, he says, man, I don't want my head to be in danger. So if you get sick because you're not eating this food, then I'm going to be in trouble because you're sick and you're under my care. Right. So totally fair for this guy to not yeah. to not approve of Daniel's decision. He's yeah. like, hey, man, if you if I listen to your request and you get sick and you don't look good, guess what? I'm on the chopping block. He'll yeah. kill me. Right. I've been put in charge here. Yeah. So I'm going to choose me over you and no way. Yeah. But I love this. What does Daniel, what does it say in verse eight that says that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself? Yeah. Right. Just like you were talking about. He says, you know what? I've lost everything. I've lost everything that's of significance and of value. These people around me are saying, your God failed you. Turn your back on your God. Turn your back on your beliefs. He's not going to come through. Your God's puny. Our God took over your God. How many people face that kind of experience on a day-to-day basis, Yeah. right? You need to give up on your hope on God because it's a joke, right? But it says Daniel purposes where? In his heart. In his heart. Yeah, it's such a powerful verse. Right? He purposes in his heart. He makes a decision right here in his heart. And he says, you know what? I've lost everything. But you know what? Even though I've lost everything, I'm going to remain faithful to my God because I believe that he is going to be faithful to me. I think something that I learned about this scenario as well is that so many things were taken away from Daniel and his friends and they were given a new language, they were given a new culture, they were given a new name, but all of these things were external to them, right? There were things that they didn't have authority over. You don't really, unless you tell someone you don't like being called something, you don't really have authority over what people call you. Mm. They'll still be able to call you that. Um, They still were teaching them in their Uh, in their situation they were teaching them the language they were talking to them in the new babylonian language but one thing that daniel and his friends did have authority over was what they ate that was something that they could decide what they were putting into their body Mm. and i think it's something to remember like it's kind of like a funny a funny saying but it's kind of true you are what you eat right and so daniel and his friends for them as well really understanding the bible concepts that god had taught them was that food and diet and and health was really important and it affected their spirituality and their ability to think and process and spend time with God and pray with him. And so because of that, this food that they were going to eat was going to become part of them. And they might not have had authority over other things, but this area they did have authority. So they're like, no, we are going to remain true and faithful and do the things that that is going to really affect us. We're going to trust God with that. That's a powerful point, right? 
do the best you can with what you have where you are now, right? Yeah, absolutely. I've got control of this thing. Yeah. I'm going to make the decisions that are in the realm of my control. Yeah. I'm going to make them in the way that I believe God wants me to make them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to respond to God faithfully in the way that I can. Yeah. Right? I don't have control over that. I didn't have control over what they did to me. I don't have control over any of those things. But what I do have control over, I'm going to use to glorify God. Yeah. Right? I'm going to, I'm going to remain faithful to God to the best of my ability. That's a powerful point. I think that that's so important as well for us, um, just looking at application for us today, that sometimes we're in situations we don't want to be in. Um, and maybe like Dana sharing his testimony before, he was in a situation he didn't want to be in. Or maybe we're in a situation that is not of our choosing, like Daniel and his friends, they were pulled away from where they were supposed to be um, mm. with their friends and their family. And is maybe you're like listeners listening in and maybe in a situation that they haven't chosen to be in or things beyond their control with everything that's been happening around the world. But with what they did have and where they were, they were faithful even in that. And I think that that's a blessing for us as that God wants us to be faithful wherever we are, not dependent on circumstances, which is such a challenge. Oh, it is. It is. But it's a beautiful thing because God doesn't ask us to be faithful first. He doesn't ask us to be faithful instead of him being faithful or as a requirement for him. He says he is faithful. Yes. And so our opportunity to respond to that is is in fact itself a gift of grace. Yeah, amen. It's amazing. It's amazing. So check this out, right? So Daniel purposes in his heart and he risks his own life, right? He's putting himself at peril. Mm-hmm. He's putting himself open for abuse in this situation by going up to this guy and he's saying, hey, uh, can I just not eat this food? Um, can you please just give me waters, water to drink and vegetables to eat? Yeah. And the guy says, no. Sorry, bro. I like you, Daniel. You're a nice guy. You're a cute kid. Hey, uh, <laughs> appreciate how you're, you know, you're really helpful, but yeah. I don't want to die. So no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. And if that was me, I'd probably be like, oh, I tried God and I'm going to give up now. <laughs> yeah. But not Daniel. Check this out. Let's read on up through verse 14. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. I love it. I love it, right? So Daniel's like, all right, I tried. And I have not had success. So what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to second in charge then, and I'm going to ask him. Yeah. And so he goes to the second in charge, and he says, hey, look. And I love this. Daniel's, Daniel's no fool, right? Yeah. He, he's like, it didn't work the first time, so I'm going to try something a little different. So yeah. he comes to the guy, and he says, hey, hey, uh, can you test me for 10 days, right? Give us just 10 days. Surely that can't cause us too much harm, right? Yeah. 10 days to just eat vegetables and drink water. And then at the end of the 10 days, you can have a look at us. You can, you can test us. You can assess us. And you make the call and you decide what you want to do after that, right? He's like, just give us a 10-day test. And so the guy says, well, surely like 10 days ain't going to kill you. Yeah, I like you, Daniel. We'll give you a shot, right? And I love this. I love this because Daniel is not willing to give up on following through with what he believes to be right according to God because he's hit a wall. But he finds a way around that wall to do what he can to follow his God. This is Gaither Vocal Band. I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing just as long as it takes for a song to make sad, heavy spirits free. I'm going to keep making music that carries the secret that Jesus is liberty. I'm going to turn off the sound that would drag people down to the pit of 
densest of foggy nights And a tune is the rope that can throw a man hope When he's going down for the third time It's a sweet melody that can cut your heart free From the chains of a past defeat You can suddenly see through the sweet harmony A path for your wandering feet I'm gonna sing just as long as it takes For a song to make sad, heavy spirits free I'm gonna keep making music that carries the secret that Jesus is liberty. I'm gonna turn off the sounds that would drag people down to the pit of despondency. With a sweet, happy tune, he is coming soon for his children like you and me. Don't tell me the world is a hopeless old place and I might as well just give in. To the doom and gloom, life's a waiting room for the blow that'll do us all in. I can't sympathize when before my eyes is a hope shining bright as day. I gotta follow the song that keeps drawing me on with my feet dancing all the way. I'm gonna sing just as long as it takes for a song to make sad, heavy spirits free. I'm gonna keep making music that carries the secret that Jesus is liberty. I'm gonna turn off the sounds that would drag people down to the pit of despondency. With a sweet, happy tune, he is coming soon for his children like you and me. I'm gonna sing just as long as it takes for a song to make sad, heavy spirits free. I'm gonna keep making music that carries the secret that Jesus is liberty. I'm gonna turn off the sounds that would drag people down to the pit of despondency. With a sweet happy tune, he is coming soon for his children like you and me. Yeah, with a sweet happy tune, he is coming soon for his children like you and me. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM. And uh, just one more plug, if you've got any questions, this is your, your time to shine, to send those in. You can do that at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can text in at 0491-064-669. Or you can also message in at our Facebook page at Faith FM Australia. Yes. All right, so we're coming into our last section of Daniel chapter 1. So he's just gone. He's asked for a 10-day test because he doesn't want to have it, like, like, think about this. Like, if your ma- mind is clouded with alcohol, how are you going to remain faithful? If you are eating all of these foods that are offered to pagan deities, how can you, how can you be a, a representative that says, no, 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 I believe in my God. I believe that he's faithful, even though we've lost the battle. And the interesting thing to think about here is that, again, these are not the only four Jews in the group. There are other people who have come from Israel who are in this group. Yeah. Right? who are not making this decision, who are gladly eating of the king's table, it seems, right? Without any other detail, it seems that these others are, mm. are following through with that. Yeah. But here are four people who decide, 
We're going to be faithful to God even if it costs us. We want to be faithful. We don't want to defile ourselves. We want to be following our God faithfully. We believe that he is going to lead us and protect us. And check this out. So he goes for a 10-day test. Mm -hmm. So let's read from verse 15 through 17. And at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who had ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. I love it. I love it. The way that they use it in their terminology is they say they were, they were fatter in flesh, yeah. and that's the good thing. Yeah. So if you don't know what that, what that means, they're talking about this as a positive thing. They were physically healthier mm-hmm. in just 10 days yeah. than all of the others. And I think also, what were the others eating? If Daniel and his friends are asking for vegetables and like grains and things like that, plant food, what were the others eating? And I kind of think that, especially for young uh, for young guys, I was imagining like what would a king's delicacy table be like, and I feel like it'd be full barbecue. of pastries <laughs> and you know, yeah, barbecue and meat and pastries and like really rich foods, full of fat and sugary type things. And I'm thinking, man, they're feeding on this. And then you see this if like if you see some people, boys or someone who've gone on a weekend and they come away and you look at them and you're like, you've not seen the sun for days, have you? And you just look so tired yeah. and drained, and your skin's like sort of insipid looking. And you're you, like, oh, that's right. You can see it. They've not been having nutrients, right? That's right. They're lacking nutrients. That's right. And so in less than two weeks, yeah. this is the significant difference that it makes. Now, here's a note for everybody. If you want to see a difference in your health, look how quickly some of these things can change. Yeah. Right? That's significant. There was a noticeable difference in their appearance yeah. in 10 days from making a shift. Now, the interesting thing to note is if we want to know what the king's diet was like, well, typically it's, it's probably very similar to our modern unhealthy Western diet yeah. because in all of the other nations in the world, historically, it's only the wealthy who eat like we do in the West and what diseases were among the wealthy yeah. lifestyle diseases. Like we see in our, in our situation today, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, these kinds of things are actually lifestyle issues based a lot of the a lot of that has to do with diet and exercise etc yeah they so found this that is fascinating. In, in egypt as well like with the pharaohs and they found tooth decay because they had such rich sugary drinks and things so we actually we can't see all of the things that we necessarily think that we could see today because they're not alive to see it but in like their bones we can see the tooth decay and things that we're like man they had ramifications from this that's right so they were probably eating a diet an unhealthy diet at this table similar to what we might be eating in our unhealthy diets today yes full of foods that are rich in meat, rich in fat, rich in etc., rich in sweetness and sugars. And so just 10 days. That's crazy. Yeah. So if and you're out there. a challenge and, to give it a test, That's right. right. <laughs> you do the Daniel diet. Try it for 10 days. Yeah. Eat just vegetables and do water and see what it does for you. Now check this out. So it says that they, God gave them you know, wisdom and knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And even Daniel was given understanding and visions and dreams. Yep. God blessed them and took care of them for their faithfulness. Now let's read the rest of the chapter and then let's try and draw some applications. Yeah. Verse 17. Oh no, I read that. Verse 18. <laughs> now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. 
and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than ten all- times better. Yeah, than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. Now this is so powerful. Hey, it's not like all they did was eat healthy foods and then they were okay. They had to apply themselves. Yeah. But when we seek to know God, when we seek to put him first, it's amazing the things that he blesses us with. Yes. I remember my mom told me once, if you read the Bible, if you study the Bible, you'll get smarter. And I have found that to be true. When I memorized scripture, all of a sudden there was just, I made connections that I'd never made before. Right. Uh The practice of studying scripture will actually increase your ability to think. Yes. It's amazing. Right? Like God blessed them in all of these ways. And at the end of their three years of study there, they were found not one times better, not two times better, not five times, but 10 times better. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? It's beautiful. And I think it's really important. Like what I was sort of harking back to what I was saying before is that if you're in a situation that you don't want to be in or you where you don't want to be, do the best that you can where you're at. That's right. right? Like that's, that's what we are supposed to do. That's what we can do. And I think it's of benefit, not just like people who are Bible believing Christians, you know, doing the best that they can, sharing God and learning about God, but also for ourselves doing the best that you can. God wants mm. us to live a blessed life. He wants us to live an abundant life. And we're not doing that if we're not doing the best that we can. And so there's so many areas that I know we can all work on and improve. But I think with, with Daniel and his friends, the key was that they put God at the center. Mm. And having God at the center meant that it put everything else in perspective. And they were, they were far from their families. They were probably distraught. They were never going to see them again. Um, they were far from their friends, from their culture, from everything. But they had God still. And I think that that's such a big thing for us is that no matter what happens in your life, no one can take away from you God. That's and right. And you can always have your faith in God. And it's something for us to hold on to, you know, no matter what's happening. And maybe if listeners out there have things going on in, the, in their lives. I just want you to know that no matter what is happening, even if you're taken away captive, even if you're in the depths of despair, God is with you if you ask for him to be there. Totally. Totally. And I love this, right? Like when I, read, when I read this story, it's easy to think about and read about how Daniel was faithful. Daniel yeah. was faithful. Yeah. But what's really even more powerful is that God is faithful yes. to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah yeah. in the midst of this storm. Yeah. Right? They respond in faithfulness, but God is already being faithful yeah. to them. And he was being faithful even before we see them necessarily being faithful. Right? Protecting their life. Yeah. Preserving them and, to be in but, this place. And also in verse 9, it says, Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the unit. Isn't that amazing? So God had brought him into favor already in preparation for what he knew was going to happen. I love this. Because the key cornerstone here is that God is faithful. Amen. Right? And so when we look at the book of Daniel, and Daniel's name again means God is judge. God is a faithful judge. Yeah. God is faithful in what he's doing, and he's faithful to his end of the bargain. We're the ones who demonstrate unfaithfulness, but never does God demonstrate unfaithfulness. And I love this. You can trust God to be faithful in doing what he promises. Yeah. There's something I think is really interesting. I think this is a really important application. If we can be faithful in the small things, that prepares us to be faithful in the bigger things. Yeah. And I think also just in the fact that he purposed in his heart before he went into this ordeal, he, he decided what he wanted to do, to not defile himself. Yeah. And that's a really good life lesson because if you want to be faithful in a, in, in a temptation or a situation where, you know, let's say you've had issues with drugs or you've had issues with alcohol, whatever, you know, pick, pick any temptation that you struggle with. 
and you say, I want to be faithful to God in that area of my life. Well, you need to plan and prepare and purpose in your heart before you get there. That's going to help to set you up for success. Yeah. And this is what Daniel does here. What else do we have that we can draw out of this? Yeah, I think looking at that, um, actually thinking, well, what are the things that are going to help me in this position? Uh, Daniel and his friends gave options, right? So they looked at the options that they did have. So they had water and vegetables. They're like, okay, well, we don't want those things. What can we do in this situation? What can we have in our life? That's right. Capitalize on what you can. Yeah. Totally. Last one that I'd say is... Well, the the godly leaders thing was, I think, also really good. Remember that. Godly leaders are important. But I think also, when we choose to try and follow God, and we see a door shut, someone's like, no, you can't follow God in that way, right? What does Daniel do? Persevere. He goes and digs a tunnel around the wall, like, right? You know what I mean? He's not able to follow through on what God wants him to do, so he finds another way to be obedient to God. Yeah. This is for him, be thou my vision.
Welcome back to Real Faith on Faith FM. You're listening to uh, with Robbie and Beck. That was a bit like Yoda-like, wasn't it? It was a bit all (laughs) over the place. It's all right. All right. So it is come to that special time of the day, the time for Question of the Day. (laughs) Question of the Day. And what you guys don't know is that that's, that voice that you just heard is our awesome Liam, who just takes care of all of the handiwork behind the scenes. Without him, there'd be no radio show. Now, we had a couple questions come in. Uh, This question actually came in from the morning show this morning, but I thought we'd steal it anyway because I just thought it was great, and they weren't able to answer it this morning. So the question was, when the Bible talks about in the New Testament the law, how do we know which law is being referred to? Yes. Whether that be the moral law or the ceremonial law, or which had 613 laws which are contained in the Torah or the first five books of the Bible, or when it refers to... Uh, sorry, the law and the prophets, which is then referring to all of the Old Testament, essentially. And the short answer to that is, and thanks for sending that question in, um, the short answer to that question is that basically the context has to be looked at to be able to decipher what it is. First yeah. of all, if it says the law and the prophets, that does refer to the Old Testament in, in its entirety, talking about Scripture. Yes. 
if it says the law, just plain and simple, then what we actually have to do is read the context because there are times when it talks about the law of liberty, right? And which law is that? We have to look at the context of these passages to know which law is being referred to. Is it referring to the ceremonial laws that all were typifying Christ and a shadow pointing forward? Or is it referring to the laws of the Ten Commandments that God writes with his own finger? And the context will define that for us is the short answer. Yeah. The second question that we have is come in from Darren. And that question is, do you have a simple answer to the identity of the Antichrist and the false prophet mentioned in Daniel and Revelation? And so we're going to have a look at the first part of that because we don't have time to do all of that. I, every, t- every week we get these questions and I'm always like, oh man, we got so little time and I so know. much to answer. Maybe we need so, to extend the show, right? <laughs> so we may have to answer the second part another time. But thank you for that question, Darren. And so the question is, and this is a question that's on a lot of people's minds, and it's a question that is you know, really prevalent in, our, in many people's minds, particularly when we see the state of the world around us and we think about what's going to happen at the end of the world. And so what we need to do is we need to be open to finding what is the biblical answer to these. Now, normally, I would go through this study to demonstrate why this position is, is accurate biblically. And this would be a, you know, I'd spend an hour with somebody going through this. And we have five minutes. Yeah. So we're not going to be able to do this justice. So the first thing I want to say is that what we're about to say is not condemning any particular individuals, right? And we're going to look at a couple of aspects of this and then identify that organization or power structure that is identified as the beast. So the beast and the Antichrist are the same entity, essentially. And you see that in Revelation 13, Mm -hmm. the beast is described as coming out of the sea, and it's described as a composite of all of the kingdoms that are mentioned in the prophecies of Daniel chapter 7. And so we're going to go to Daniel chapter 7 in a moment. Um, So you can check that out in Revelation 13. We won't go there um, in detail now, but it talks about this this uh, this beast coming out of the sea. It says that it has seven heads, ten horns. His horns were ten crowns. He's got a blasphemous name on them, and then it describes it as having the characteristics of the other beasts and talks about aspects of it being there. Right. So the power of sorry, the mouth of a lion, the feet of a bear. Um, it would look like a leopard. So these are all referencing the beasts that come out in Daniel chapter 7, which yeah. represented different kingdoms. Yes. Um, so let's turn to Daniel chapter 7, and we're going to have a look at a little bit about that. But before we get into that, I want to just say something that I think is really important. There is a singular power that the New Testament talks about that's identified as the Antichrist power. And it's mentioned as something that was in existence and could continue in existence. But it also, 1 John talks about how there are many antichrists. And so in 1 John, it actually describes in 1 John 1, or sorry, 1 John 2, verse 18, it says this antichrist, you've heard that antichrist is now coming, but even now there are antichrists now. Yes. And so in the chapter of 1 John 2, verse 22, it says that anybody who denies the Father and denies Jesus is antichrist. So First thing to note is that we can have the spirit, so to speak, or the attitude of Antichrist, this Antichrist power, when we want to take the place of Jesus or when we want to disbelieve in Jesus, we are putting ourselves anti or opposed to Christ. Anti can also mean putting ourselves in the very place of Christ or taking his position or his place. Yes. So 
In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it goes on to describe this power, and it, it compares him to Judas, the son of perdition. It's only used in two places, referring to the Antichrist power and also referring to Judas. Interesting thing to note there is that Judas was a follower of Jesus. And so this identifies for us that this Antichrist power will be something that is at one point in time following Jesus mm-hmm. and then will actually be putting itself in the place of Jesus, taking the authority that only Jesus has. So let's go to Daniel 7. We've got two minutes left, so we're doing this as fast as we can. We will not do this entire justice, but let's have a look at this. So we want to find some identifying marks. So can you read Daniel 7 verse 8 for us? So the little horn power is the same power that's described here, and we could go into that. If you want more information, you can write in and we can send you some Bible study guides, get you into some information that can help you study this out in detail. I was considering the horns and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking pompous words. Okay, so a couple of clues there. What we do know is that in the order of history, this happens after the rise of the Roman Empire. It happens after... The Roman Empire is divided into these different kingdoms and tribes, and that happens around 476 AD. So we know that this power came into authority after AD 476. It says it starts small, but then it grows. It also says that it arises in the same region as these places, which we know is Europe. It also says that it has eyes like the eyes of a man, eyes indicating vision or wisdom, right? has the mouth that speaks great things or pompous words, and it also plucks out three other kingdoms. Now, historically, we can identify who this power is. Another thing to note is that in Revelation, sorry, Daniel 7, verse 21 and 22, it describes a bit more about it. And then it goes on in 24 and 25, and it says that he shall speak pompous words against the Most High. He shall persecute the saints of the Most High and shall intend to change the times and the laws of God. And it gives a time frame that we could look at. But in 30 seconds, we can't do that. So basically, the summary of this is that if you go and try and search out historically who fits the mold, there's only one power that exists in that time that persecuted the people of God, and that was the papal power, the medieval church. And we know that that power is still in existence today. Now, this is not to identify that people who are belonging to that system are necessarily antichrist themselves, but the system puts itself in the place of God and says, we have the authority that only Jesus has. Mm. This is David Crowder and Shane and Shane to the only God. Falling to the 
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM. We just want to thank you guys for listening in. It's been such a pleasure to have you along with us for the show today. We hope that your drive home has been or is continuing to be safe. And um, yeah, it's just been such a blast to get into the book of Daniel a little bit. Yeah, a new direction looking at. And I think that's uh, going to be something we're going to look a bit deeper. How do we find Jesus maybe in the Old Testament? Yeah. How do we seek him in Daniel? That's know? exactly right. And because the ultimate thing that we looked at last week that, that I think is so crucial to any time that we're looking at Scripture is that we have to remember the point. Yeah. Right? And Jesus says, you search the Scriptures in John five thirty nine and 40 because you think that in them you have eternal life and yet here I am. Yeah. Right? Yet these are they which testify of me. Yeah. And yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Yeah. And so the key here is that as we search scripture, we're looking for Jesus. Yeah. Whether that be from Genesis 1 verse 1 through all the way to, to Revelation 22, however many verses there are in that chapter, mm-hmm. right? We're looking for Jesus in all of scripture. You know, one of the amazing things that, ah, this, I'm just going to get on a hobby horse here for a moment. You know, we've, we've had a lot of questions coming in about Revelation and about Daniel and the prophecies, and those are good things to explore. But one thing I want to just, just put out there as a reminder to everyone is that Revelation, it talks about the Antichrist, it talks about the beast power, it talks about all these things, it talks about persecution and suffering that's going to take place, but it mostly is talking about revealing Jesus. Remember, yeah. it's the revelation of, of who? Jesus. Of Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's not the revelation of the beast power. It's mm-hmm. not the revelation of these things. Yeah. Those are revealed. Yeah. But the point is, Jesus is coming. Yeah. Surrender your life to Jesus. Yeah. He is the one who's going to save you from sin. No one else. He is the point. And through those trials that are guaranteed to come, the goal is not to know about the trials and avoid them. The goal is to know who Jesus is so that we can hold on to him and he can sustain us through the trials. Yeah, I think that that's something that we learned today with Daniel and his friends. They were in trials, right? I think right. sometimes their life was a trial, but they had Jesus with them. God blessed them and he led um, and he, he brought them into favor of the eunuchs who were looking after them. So God was with them. Jesus was with them. And it really reminds me in the New Testament where Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, mm. you know, and. And then he's just saying, the Old Testament, I will never leave you or forsake you. And we see that in with this story with Daniel and his friends. They were never alone. They were in a trial, but they were never alone. And I think that that's something for us to hold on to, Boom. being alone. Dropping some truth bombs. So if you want to learn more about that, join us next week. We'll be getting into Daniel chapter 2. And also, we're actually exploring this at... The church plant that I work at, Coast Life Adventist Church, NSW, is our Facebook page. So you can come hit us up. We're actually starting a new series on the call of Abram and looking for the same God that we see in Jesus Christ is the same God we see in the Old Testament. So with that, 
Without any further ado, we just want to encourage you, go with God this week. May God bless you. Keep seeking for Him. And remember that real faith is lived faith.
Our enemy, our captor, is no pharaoh on the Nile. Our toil is neither mud nor brick nor sand.